Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the March 11th, Saturday edition of the Loveland Reporter Herald. My name is Catherine Villa. Today, we'll be reading the following main articles. All-night filibuster aimed to stall bills, written by Seth Clayman. In-and-out traffic planning underway, written by Will Costello. Ukraine rebounds from barrage, restores power, written by Carl Ritter and Mstislav Chernov. Preparing for spring planting, written by Austin Flesks. And following up with miscellaneous articles. All-night filibuster aimed to stall bills. Gun reform and safe drug use an issue. By Seth Clayman. More than 16 hours after they entered the House chamber, Colorado lawmakers advanced two controversial bills regulating guns and drug use in the early morning hours Friday, ending a marathon session of often emotional debate about how to best save lives amid dueling public health crises. House Republicans had pledged to fight the Democrat-backed bills, one of which would enact a minimum three-day waiting period for buying a gun, and the other would allow local governments to open safe-use drug sites. They made good on those threats Thursday. Debate on the gun measure began at 1.30 p.m. and ended at 2.30 the next morning. Republicans rejected a deal to end debate in exchange for a modest amendment as midnight approached, and Democrats shot down more than a dozen Republican attempts to change the gun bill. Ultimately, the waiting period bill passed with the slight change that Republicans had rejected hours before, which will delay when the bill, should it be signed into law, becomes effective. The Safe Use Site bill passed four hours earlier at 6.30 a.m., also with modest changes. The debate fell on the midpoint of the 120-day session, and it hit upon two core issues for Republicans and Democrats alike. One is guns. Democrats, who hold firm majorities in both House and Senate, unveiled a suite of four firearm reform bills in late February. All four advanced through committee this week after lengthy hearings, and Democrats are now seeking to move them swiftly through the Capitol. The other three gun bills, to expand the state's red flag law, institute age limits on gun purchases, and to make it easier to sue gun manufacturers and sellers, will all be heard before the full Senate on Friday. Republicans and their allies have vowed to filibuster and, acknowledging that the bills are still likely to pass, file lawsuits to block their implementation. The second issue whether to clear the way for safe use sites to open in willing municipalities harkens back to last year's bruising fight over tightened criminal penalties and expanded harm reduction services for fentanyl users and dealers. The debate early Friday morning saw Democrats like sponsor Representative Elizabeth Epps cast the sites as a vital resource to keep drug users alive until they're ready to seek treatment. Republicans, meanwhile, derided the proposal, which would not open any sites itself, 
as enabling of illegal activity and an overreach into rural Colorado. Thursday's filibuster was reminiscent of last year's 24-hour standoff over the Reproductive Health Equity Act, which enshrined and protected abortion access in state law. Thursday's debate stretched so long that Democratic Majority Leader Monica Duran announced Friday morning that the House would break for the day but return Saturday, an atypical burst of weekend work for lawmakers that often depart the Capitol for their homes across Colorado every Friday. That's a particular wrinkle for Republicans. The state party's central committee, which includes lawmakers who will now be compelled to return to the House, is set to meet Saturday and vote for their next party chair. A Democratic House spokesman said Friday morning that the move wasn't punitive and that the House had work it needed to get done. Democratic Representative Shannon Byrd echoed that sentiment and said that exhausted lawmakers couldn't work Friday and needed to make up time over the weekend. Going into the Thursday afternoon filibuster session, aides stocked up desks with snacks. Republican lawmakers stacked piles of research, amendments, and filibuster material against a wall, and a spokesman said some members had brought a change of clothes. The gun bill, cast by supporters as an effort to curtail suicides by giving those in crisis a, quote, cooling-off period, end quote, ate up most of the day and evening. Representatives from both parties described personal experience with suicide. Representative Stephanie Vigil, a Colorado Springs Democrat, said she had attempted to kill herself and that the only reason she hadn't is because she'd chosen a less lethal means and was able to stop. While Republicans had said the bill wouldn't solve the problem, Vigil countered that, saying one life would be enough. For Republicans, the filibuster was a statement to both those inside and outside the Capitol building of their commitment to fight what they see as infringements on the Second Amendment. Minority leader Mike Lynch said Democrats aren't focusing on the real issue, mental health, and were instead devoting weeks of attention to the, quote, bright, shiny, end quote, policy of gun reform. Their speeches, which often stretched for an hour at a time, ranged from criticisms of the bill's constitutionality and its impact on self-defense to the Ronald Reagan assassination attempt and the Rwandan genocide. Representative Ken DeGraff, a Colorado Springs Republican, warned that, quote, the distinction between a citizen and a slave is one is armed and one is not, end quote and his colleagues recounted stories of women who'd used guns to defend themselves from would-be attackers. As Republicans brought a spree of amendments that would allow domestic violence or sexual assault victims to circumvent the three-day waiting period, Penrose Republican Representative Stephanie Luck defended the need for the lengthy debate. Quote, It's not time-wasting. This is our job. We have to figure it out. Is this policy workable? End quote. She said. Luck had been one of the first Republicans to speak earlier that day, nearly eight hours before, when she expressed support for the gun bill sponsor, Representative Judy Amabile. The Boulder Democrat had described how her son had been in an acute mental health crisis and attempted to buy a gun. 
Only Amabile's intervention and the compassion of the gun shop owner had stopped the sale. While Republicans had said that guns are only one way for a person to die by suicide, Amabile said her son was still alive because he had used less lethal means in previous attempts. According to state data, 740 of the 1,370 suicides in Colorado in 2021 involved firearms. Quote, I don't expect any of you to care whether my son lives or dies. End quote. Emma Beale told her colleagues, quote, that's not your job, but I do think it's our job here in the legislature to do everything we can to try to prevent preventable suicides. End quote. In response, Luck told her that though she disagreed with Amabile on this policy, she cared about her son's colleague. Epps, the sponsor of the Safe Use site, would, with fellow Democrat representative Jenny Wilford, cast her proposal in a similar preventative light as a tool to save lives amid a public health crisis. The bill, if passed, would let local governments to decide whether to open the sites which allow users to consume illicit substances under supervision and facilities that typically feature information about various treatment and support services. Republicans, meanwhile, argued that the sites will only encourage drug use while inviting crime into the neighborhoods in which a facility would open. Akron Republican Representative Richard Holtorf likened those with substance use orders to chemical slaves, which prompted Wilford to read the dictionary definition of slave and ask for less divisive language. Holtorf said demand for drugs will go up should any sites open and that rural Colorado wasn't ready or interested in them. Allowing people to safely use drugs, he said, would act as a barrier to them receiving treatment. Quote, I understand the bill sponsors think this is a solution to this problem or a partial solution to a problem, but how do you get the people that entrapped in this horrible dependency to break the shackles and free themselves from this bondage? End quote, he said. In and out traffic planning underway, officials shoot to open restaurant by end of year by Will Costello. A new traffic study is under consideration to deal with expected rushes to access a new In-N-Out Burger location in Loveland that was confirmed by city officials Thursday. Because of its popularity, the burger joint is expected to draw significant traffic to the area, especially in the period immediately following its opening. The city announced on Thursday that a traffic management plan is prepared, but according to Loveland City Engineer Nicole Hahn, the plan is not yet ready to be shared with the public. She did say that with brands that typically draw large crowds, including chicken sandwich chain Chick-fil-A and coffeehouse Starbucks, both of which have stores near the future In-N-Out location in Sentara, the brand itself has traffic data that is shared with municipalities and helps to inform their traffic plans. In-N-Out is one such brand and is working with planners, Han said. Some details of the plan that Han did share include the possibility of blocking off traffic turning left off eastbound US 34 onto Fall River Drive, the intersection where the new restaurant will be located, to keep the westbound side of the highway moving without being blocked by customers from Loveland trying to turn left into Sentara.
She also said that encouraging traffic to move through the northern area of the Sentara development will be a priority. Quote, one nice part of the location they selected, it opens on a parking lot, end quote, Han said Friday. Quote, we expect a lot of queuing can happen there, end quote. Loveland city officials confirmed that Northern Colorado's first In-N-Out Burger will be located just north of US-34 near Interstate 25 in what was once Mimi's Cafe. Crews were seen demolishing the former Mimi's Cafe on Wednesday to make room for what is planned to be a 3,800-square-foot restaurant with an attached patio. Larimer County property records show that In-N-Out Burger purchased the 1.38-acre property for $1.3 million, according to Biz West. Quote, Having In-N-Out, a well-known, respected, family-owned business, choose Loveland as part of its Colorado expansion is an honor for our city and our community, end quote. Loveland City Manager Steve Adams said in a press release Thursday, In-N-Out Burger, a chain with most of its locations in California, has developed a national reputation, causing round-the-block lines in other areas where it has opened locations such as Phoenix, Salt Lake City, Las Vegas, Oregon, and Texas, as well as in and around Denver where the chain recently launched its expansion into Colorado. A timeline for the Loveland location has not been officially declared, but in the press release issued by the city, In-N-Out Burger Chief Operating Officer Denny Warnick indicated that the chain hopes for an opening prior to 2024. Quote, We've been very grateful to hear from loyal customers in Loveland who let us know they'd like to have their own In-N-Out Burger nearby, end quote, said Warnick. Quote, We know that Loveland is a wonderful community and we're and we very much look forward to serving customers there, hopefully by the end of the year. End quote. Ukraine rebounds from barrage, restores power. By Karl Ritter and Mstislav Chernov. Kiev, Ukraine. Ukraine's capital had most of its power supply restored Friday, officials said, as the country again responded swiftly and defiantly to the latest Russian missile and drone barrage targeting critical infrastructure. In what has become a familiar Russian tactic since early October, the Kremlin's forces struck Ukraine from afar Thursday, while the ground battles in the country's east largely remained mired in a grinding stalemate. The apparent aim of attacking power stations and other infrastructures to weaken Ukraine's resolve and compel the Ukrainian government to negotiate peace on Moscow's terms. Ukrainian authorities scrambled to counter the consequences of the latest bombardment, part of a recurring cycle of urban smash and repair that has brought little change in the course of the war, which recently entered its second year. The Institute for the Study of War, a Washington-based think tank, said in an assessment that, quote, These missile strikes will not undermine Ukraine's will or improve Russia's positions on the front lines, end quote. Ukrainian military analyst Ole Zadanov said the Russians are striking civilian infrastructure because they can't efficiently target Ukrainian military assets. 
quote, the Russians lack data about the location of Ukrainian troops and weapons, so they are targeting civilian infrastructure and using the same old methods of attacking civilians to sow fear and panic in the society. Ukraine has survived the winter, and Russia's strikes on the energy system in the spring hardly make any sense, end quote, he said. Power and water were restored in Kyiv, said Serhii Popko, the head of the city's military administration. Popko said that about 30% of consumers in the capital remained without heating and that repair work was ongoing. Power supplies were fully restored in Ukraine's southern Odessa region, private provider DTEK said Friday afternoon. Around 60% of households in the city of Kharkiv were knocked off-grid by Russia's military strikes on Thursday, were also back online, authorities said, though significant damage remained in the Zutomir and Kharkiv regions in Ukraine's northwest and northeast. In another sign of normality quickly returning, Finnish Prime Minister Sanna Marin made an unannounced visit to Kyiv on Friday. Marin accompanied President Volodymyr Zelensky and senior military officers at the funeral of one of Ukraine's best-known fighters and commanders who was killed in fighting near the devastated eastern city of Bakhmut. The service for Dmitro Kotsubailo, killed a few days earlier at the age of 27, was held at the Cathedral of Kiev's St. Michael's Golden Domed Monastery. Many of the thousands of mourners clutched flowers and the crowd knelt in silence as Kotsubailo's coffin was carried out of the church toward Maiden Square. Zelensky and Marin also laid flowers at a nearby memorial to fallen Ukrainian soldiers. The Prime Minister echoed other Western leaders who have accused Russia of war crimes in Ukraine and said Russian soldiers and leaders would be held accountable in a courtroom. Quote, Putin knows he will have to answer for his crime of aggression, end quote, the Finnish leader said during a news conference. Quote, the future tribunal must bring justice efficiently and answer Ukrainians' rightful demands, end quote. On the battlefield Friday, Ukrainian Deputy Defense Minister Hanna Malyar said the fighting in Bakhmut had escalated with another push by Russian forces to break through Ukrainian defense lines that have largely held firm for the past six months. Preparing for Spring Planting Loveland Garden Center offers advice for local growers as the season gets underway. By Austin Flesks with the first day of spring less than two weeks away, the Loveland Garden Center is preparing for the planting season and its owner has offered some advice for local growers excited for gardening season. Kevin Weekland said his staff members are currently busy in planting season as they prepare for people to flex their green thumbs. Quote, we are planting like crazy so we are ready for May when it's planting time, end quote, he said. Walking around the garden center and its more than a dozen greenhouses make this clear as plots of plants pepper the place with dashes of green and, where flowers are growing, bits of color. Plant options range from strawberries or onions to even small carnivorous plants like the Venus flytrap. Weekland added that they begin to see the highest influx of people throughout spring, especially in May and June. Quote, it is a peak that happens toward the middle or end of May and gradually ramps up, then gradually slows down, end quote, he said.
And while planting season is not quite here, Weekland has said now is the time for residents to prepare to make their garden the best on the block. For anyone looking to grow vegetables, now is the time to start seeding or even growing some inside, then moving them outside later. He said his overall tip for any type of grower as they get ready for the season is making sure they have the right soil by ensuring it has the right level of acidic organic compost to help neutralize the pH levels and make it more plant friendly. Quote, now is the time to be thinking about getting that done when you can, when the ground isn't too wet. End quote, he said. And now for miscellaneous articles. Setting up a tent in Rocky Mountain National Park. Campground closure at park could have ripple effect across Colorado forests. By John Meyer. With Rocky Mountain National Park's largest campground shutting down this summer for a modernization project, reducing available campsites on the eastern side of the park by more than half, ripple effects are apt to be felt at campgrounds across the Front Range. The closure of the Moraine Park campground means 244 fewer sites for 2023, and it figures to put more pressure on nearby campgrounds in the adjacent Arapahoe and Roosevelt National Forests, which spreads out along the Continental Divide from Clear Creek County to the Wyoming border, and it ranks as the third busiest in the United States. Quote, our reservable campgrounds are in high demand, end quote, said Reed Armstrong, Arapahoe and Roosevelt spokesperson. Quote, There's seven and a half million people visiting our forests every year, and a lot of them want to camp. Planners need to be on it, planning their trips now, end quote. To help, the Forest Service met with the National Park a few weeks ago, Armstrong said. Quote, we are going to be working with Rocky Mountain National Park, their front desk, and their volunteers to do some training and provide some information about dispersed camping. We're going to be putting something together so they can provide some of that information to their visitors. End quote. There are seven national forest campgrounds with 252 campsites along the peak-to-peak -peak highway between Estes Park and Nederland, including two within 15 miles of the park's eastern entrance gates. Armstrong also suggests campers consider options on the west side of the park. There are 15 national forest campgrounds with more than 400 sites there, four of those located within 15 miles of the park's Grand Lake entrance. There also is a campground on the western side of the park, 8 miles north of the Grand Lake entrance, with 98 sites. Another option is dispersed camping on National Forest land, although that means going without amenities, potable water, or trash receptacles, not to mention burying human waste and practicing leave-no-trace guidelines. It also means bringing extra water to douse campfires. Knowing where dispersed camping is allowed can be tricky. It's important to make sure that the place you pick isn't on private land. Armstrong recommends the Avenza app as a good source of free forest maps that can help users figure out where camping is permitted. They can be downloaded ahead of time so they are available in areas without cell service. The app also can geolocate users on maps so they can confirm they are on forest service land. Quote, 
Dispersed camping requires a little more preparation, some research, and a lot of patience and willingness to be a little more adventuresome, end quote, Armstrong said. Rules for dispersed camping require setting up at least 150 feet from a roadway and at least 100 feet from a stream or other water source, packing out trash and burying human waste six inches deep. If fire bans aren't in effect, campers should use existing fire rings to build a rock ring about two feet in diameter. When extinguished, they should be cold to the touch. Armstrong has some other tips for finding campground reservations this summer. Quote, I would highly recommend considering taking that weekday trip because a lot of our campgrounds are still available early in the week. End quote, Armstrong said. Quote, a lot of our campgrounds have first-come, first-served spaces. There's still opportunities for people who are willing and wanting to be adventurous, willing to maybe not find a place at the first campground they go to. You have to have that time and patience and preparation, even if you're just going to wing it, end quote. More information vacation planners need to know before making camping reservations in Colorado. Reservations for campground sites in most national parks and national forests are made through recreation.gov, with reservations becoming available six months in advance. Reservations for Colorado State Parks also become available six months in advance, but they are made through the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Camping webpage. Mesa Verde National Park camping reservations are made through a concessionaire, not recreation.gov. Summer wilderness backpacking permits in Rocky Mountain National Park went on sale last week. Wilderness backpacking permits for the Indian Peaks Wilderness go on sale next week. A limited number of campground sites in Rocky Mountain National Park will be released two weeks in advance, and many campsites in national forests remain available on a first-come, first-served basis. The best source for information regarding campgrounds in the Arapaho and Roosevelt National Forests is its homepage. Click on Campgrounds and you'll see a list of all of them. The best source for an overview of campgrounds in Colorado's 11 national forests is the interactive visitor map maintained by the Forest Service. Zoom in from the national map to Colorado and then zoom in on specific areas around the state. From there, you can click on locations to find out which national forest they are in. Then you can click to specific campground information via that forest's webpage. Rocky Mountain National Park has also tweaked some policies for its timed entry permit system for day-use visitors this year. Permits go on sale beginning May 1st through recreation.gov. Changes include the hours when reservations will be required for areas of the park that don't include Bear Lake Road will be in effect from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Last year, they were required until 3 p.m. Reservations for the Bear Lake Corridor will be required from 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. as they were last year. Timed entry permits will be required from Memorial Day weekend until October 22nd. Last year, they were required until October 10th. 40% of all reservations will be released on recreation.gov the previous day at 5 p.m. Today's obituaries. Brenda Mahoney. Bradley McLemary. Juanita Williams. Robert Albert. James Campbell. James Duke. Kelly Green. Kay Leckman, Lavetta Power, 
Florence Renner Norma Watts Thank you for joining us for the Saturday edition of the Loveland Herald Reporter. My name is Catherine Villa. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.